Are you ready to master Angular? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day intense workshop class for individuals or teams. They cover Angular 4 and 2, and focus on the skills and knowledge you need for complex, data-rich applications. They also still offer AngularJS for teams supporting older projects. Bring them to your site, or send developers to them in St. Louis, San Francisco, New York, DC, and other cities, and online at angularbootcamp.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Alyssa Nichol. Hey. Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking through uh, why people are still on Angular 1. Um, I thought it would be an interesting topic. And just to give a little bit of background, um, I was I was helping out with the local scouts um because my son just uh he just turned 12 but uh the 11 year old scouts were all they all went to the pool and so i went with them and i wound up chatting with one of the leaders who works for provo craft um does stuff with the cricket if you're familiar with that and um anyway he he said that they were still using angular one or angular js and i was curious i was like well why and he was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> but it got me thinking, you know, how many other people are out there? I talk to, you know, people on a regular basis that, you know, they're still using Angular 1. They're still using Angular JS. And so I put a tweet up on uh, December 6th to see what I would get. I got 41 responses, and so I thought we could just talk through it and see, okay, that, that might be a good reason to stay, or that might be a good, you know, reason to move, or, um, you know, what have you. So... Anyway, you guys ready just to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, who's going to be uh, the Angular JS advocate, and who's going to be telling them that they're an idiot? <laughs> we've got to have a ward, and we got to have a Joe here. I can take the JS side. <laughs> You're going to take the JS side. Okay. <laughs> All right. If I don't hear the word "idiot" come out of your mouth at least ten times during this episode. We're going to consider this a failure of an episode. Because I wasn't a good enough impersonator? <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to use the word dumpster fire at least 15 times. Oh, I love it. I, I love was going to say, you have to convince Joe that Angular uh, 2 Plus is a dumpster fire. Yeah. It's a dumpster fire. Oh, yeah. you got to use the word dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So are we going to start off by reading some tweets or how do we, how do we yeah. get going? So the tweet I sent out was, if you're still using Angular 1.x, because that's the other thing I found is talking to people, if I say Angular JS and Angular, they don't get the distinction. Um, it, it hasn't permeated the entire community. So I said, if you're still using Angular 1.x, I'd love to find out why you haven't moved to Angular 2 plus. Uh, this, is not, this is not a you're doing it wrong. It's an exploration into a topic I'd like to cover on the podcast. And the first response and uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see what, what the reaction is, is uh, our company has a lot of Angular 1.x expertise. Is, is that a valid reason to stay on Angular 1, or should they be moving up? Because you have expertise? Yeah. I think so. I mean, it is essentially a new framework, and that's something that made me super mm -hmm. sad personally because... I had started using AngularJS in college, and then I got hired on at a place to use AngularJS, and we were going to upgrade, but of course, you know, that was a fairy tale. We never ended up doing it, and so I got really, really good at AngularJS, and so it's really hard to 
especially for, I don't know, I can even see it in bigger companies, but especially for smaller companies where they just don't have the resources. I'm talking about they don't have the time to let their devs learn a new framework and switch things over. I I, I could see it. I, I could see it as a valid point. You have a counterbalance to that, though, Joe? Well, I mean, I actually do think it's a very valid point. Mm-hmm. Like, I always find it funny how fast things move. It's like, hey, this technology was great until we discovered a new technology and now that technology is completely <laughs> obsolete. It's horrible. Like, who would ever have even thought that that was a great thing, right? Like, what what's the current gen of iPhone? Eight? No, eight, X, X, right? I think they released well, them both. Ten. There's Yeah, there's an eight and a ten that came out. They did, they did a Microsoft thing. They skipped nine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, the 10, let's go with the 10, right? I mean, you'd have to be, it's like dark ages to be using an 8, right? I think uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder and Little House on the Prairie used an iPhone 8. How could you ever get along with an iPhone 8? Right, it won't even... Oh, the 7, okay. This year too, but yes, so you're saying how could you get along with a 7? How could you? I have a 6 Plus. (laughs) Wait, what? I have an iPhone 6 Plus, that's my phone. So I, I haven't upgraded to the 6S, the 7, the 8, or the X. Oh, man. I've kind of taken this a little bit farther away, but your your question was specifically because if you have skills, then you do it. So when I, I had to do some app for, I can't remember what it was. I needed a voting app. That's what it was. I was doing some uh, lightning talk voting, and I hadn't worked enough with Angular at the, mo- at the time. I don't remember exactly when this was, about a year ago. And so I just wrote an AngularJS. I know AngularJS, it's fast, it's quick, it's easy. I know where its problem areas are, right? So boom, I put it together, I threw it down, and uh, it went well. Additionally, boy, I'm, I'm arguing the wrong side of the fence here really well. The other thing that's great about AngularJS is it's way more stable than Angular. So for, and that def- definitely relates to the expertise side because even as you get expertise in Angular 2 plus, Things are changing a ton, right? Like we're just mm. going through some updates for ng-doc or actually and a, and a course that I'm doing where we're upgrading to 5.0 and all of a sudden it's a new version of RxJS and RxJS has radically changed how they do things in their version 5.5, which has nothing to do with Angular 5.0. The numbers, I guess, are just incidental. But a bunch of radical changes. HTTP client has to change. Right. The CLI has to change. RxJS has uh, to change. Much smaller changes, though, yeah. than... I mean, because we're talking an afternoon or, God forbid... Uh, not RxJS. No way. And well, certainly that one, but I'm talking about just getting your app... Like, you think it would take more than an afternoon to just get your app up from four to five? Uh, I guess it really depended on your app. Right. There wasn't necessarily the way, much in the way of breaking backwards changes, but you get all those deprecation warnings and all of a sudden you're like, oh, right, right. Yeah, I think one of the, I guess, compelling reasons, which, again, I'll be arguing for the wrong side now, just like you did. <laughs> Swapping sides. Um, if you're looking towards the future, uh, you know, the Angular team has said as soon as they docs for, you know, Ang- Angular are more used than the docs for Angular JS, they'll start to. I guess wean like wean people off of AngularJS, start winding down, and and like essentially they're not promising to keep up with AngularJS forever. So it, it will go. I don't away. know why that matters very much. I mean, the community really? can certainly support AngularJS. You think and, you think it could keep mm-hmm. going? By, by yeah, way. absolutely. Well, I mean, it runs fine. I, I 
I'm trying to think of the last time I needed the Angular team to fix a bug for me in Angular JS. Angular and I'll JS. be honest, it's been a while. <laughs> I have been <laughs> since I've encountered an Angular JS bug that actually needed the core team to address the issue. In fact, any kind so, of so so you really think that it's stable. As, like, what support do we need out of them? What support are they giving now that we even need? I mean, I the people that are taking care of it, they're contractors. Now right. it's not even the, really the core team. I mean, granted, right. the core team is like overseeing it, but it's not even the core team who's uh, doing the critical work on it. It's Peter Bacon Darwin and a couple of other people that are, I think they're all contractors. Right. And they just work with the Angular team to make sure everything's right. But mm -hmm. I don't know. We just kickstart enough money to pay Pete for his time and... I think we're fine. In fact, all of the features that they're adding, for the most part, I know that they do do some critical bug fixes, but for the most part, the features they're adding are things that are going to try to bridge the gap between Angular JS and Angular a lot easier. So I think it's been a long time since the work that's gone in, since probably since the release of 1.6, since there's been really anything that's gone in there that would matter to your typical developer. And even 1.6 was pretty small. 1.5 had a big a nice big change that we all appreciated. I guess I always just imagine it, it wasn't so much of like, oh, I need them to make these changes for me, but it was just more of like, they're not working on it full time, therefore it might die. And like, like I don't know, I, for some reason, it was just the association in my brain of like the people who started it, if they're not supporting it anymore or using it internally anymore, then that can't bode well. But I guess you're right. I guess like the community could take it and do, you know, as they would with it. Well, yeah, I get that's the not a fear, guarantee, but this, uh, yeah. But again, think about it past the idea of oh no, the Angular team isn't like spending tens of time supporting Angular Jess. What exactly do you feel like is happening that you're going to suddenly miss? Because my, my point is, there's actually you, you may or may not realize people may or may not realize this. There's actually probably nothing going on right now that people are going to miss if they were to suddenly officially say we're no longer officially supporting Angular JS. Mm. Yep. I, I'm going to stop you guys real quick. It sounds like somebody's splashing water. Oh, sorry. My son's <laughs> over there playing with the fountain. And she <laughs> She's kind of blind, and so I don't know why, but she can't not keep her head out of the, <laughs> the water fountain. I'll move away from her. It, it's all but good. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was kind of nice and soporific, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like sitting next to one of those little uh, fountain things you put in your bathroom. Oh, yeah, you guys would have put me to sleep for sure. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right, so um, the next tweet was uh, they're setting the stage for a possible migration to version 5, so they're coding in 1.6 using TypeScript. They're implementing best practices, but they're seriously considering Vue.js. And as you guys pointed out, it's kind of a new, different framework, so it, right. is there value in upgrading to... Angular as opposed to upgrading to, say, Vue.js or React or something else. I just feel like if you're if you're looking at Vue, then honestly, the question is stay on AngularJS or go to Vue because Vue is so much on the AngularJS side of the world versus the you know Angular two and up side of the world. That I feel like if your company is seriously considering using Vue.js they would be unhappy having to use TypeScript and having to, I mean, make the big upgrade. I, I feel like either way is a transition, like you're saying, to a new a framework. But 
I don't know. I, I know the guy who created you, you know, he left Google and he'd done multiple projects with Angular and he had originally just started Vue because he wanted to, um, he wanted to see like if he could kind of wean down AngularJS to his favorite parts. And like literally that's how Vue was born. And so to me, if you look at like the Vue.js feature list, it's like, I, I think I made a joke in a like blog post I wrote recently. Cause I was like the, uh, AngularJS, I mean, Vue.js feature list because it just, it's so identical and some of the verbiage is even the same. So I think, um, I don't know. I don't, do you have anything to say to that, Joe? Because I just, I can't imagine someone choosing between Vue.js and Angular because they're just so different. I don't. Right. I mean, it, yeah, from what I understand, Vue is a ton closer to AngularJS. So if you like that magic that AngularJS provided, uh, of I slap a script tag on and I do a few little things and all of a sudden things are great. I don't know that um, uh, I would hate hesitate to say you would hate TypeScript. I think that we should be pushing TypeScript or something similar on the community as much as possible because, man, once you get used to it, it fixes so many other problems. But, mm -hmm. um, I mean, Vue works fine with TypeScript. You can use Vue with TypeScript. But I mostly fall... I, I agree with you. If you're heavily into AngularJS and you want to, you really want to avoid all these crazy build systems and complex things that's going on uh, when trying to look at Angular, that Vue is going to feel a lot more familiar to you than Angular probably will. Now, John Papa wrote a very interesting series of articles examining the differences between Vue and Angular, so those could be certainly of help. But it's also Vue is a pretty small thing, especially once you know AngularJS to learn. So Learning it and doing a little bit of uh, testing it out with it, I think, is small and simple enough. Even for tiny projects, it's worth the time just to spike something out and see how you like it. Mm -hmm. I, I thought it was us versus them with these frameworks. <laughs> <laughs> Not over here, at least. No, that makes I've a honestly, ton of sense. I've never seen anybody in the community say that, like, seriously. No, I haven't have, either. Have you? No. Have, like, seriously, because I keep hearing everyone being like, it's not an us versus them, but I don't know anybody who's on the other side of that fence who's like, it is an all-out war. So. <laughs> I've encountered people that I feel like, whether they would ever admit that they mm -hmm. live in that side of the world, okay. definitely behave that way. And I, I think I've said this before, but I'll be very honest. I fully admit and realize that I have an unconscious bias against React. And I don't know why. There's no reason for that bias. Oh, but like you actually... I can tell. Hmm. I could tell that I have... If I hear... If I look at talks where... Read comparison blogs on React versus Angular or something else. Or if I le listen to talks where they talk about... It, I was just watching one of my really good friends, Corey House, his Pluralsight course on the React, the big picture. And he said a few things that I realized, I was like, wait a second, that's not right. And then I realized oh, I was kind of getting frustrated with what he was saying. And then like, hey, I just pushed, pushed out my uh, Angular, the big picture course on Pluralsight. And I said pretty much similar things, right? Mm. So I, I realized I've definitely got an unconscious bias going on. So I could see how that can bleed into conversations. And I, I, I assume and hope that a lot of that unconscious bias developed because I actually had several people who were pretty who behaved pretty frustratingly on that same side to me. And so it almost, it's like, even if you uh, aren't a big supporter of your hometown team, right? And somebody comes in and starts trashing on them, you end up like 
getting ready to fight and you're like, wait a second, I don't, I don't even go to their games, right? I guess that's certainly not true of me. I definitely go to the Angular games. I'm an Angular guy, right? That's been my bread and butter for many years. But and a person who's particularly attached to one technology over another. But I had a couple of people that I dealt with in my life that kind of felt a sense of we're, we're in that it's a religion, not a mm-hmm. technology choice camp. Okay. And I so see. I had some problems with that early on. And I think that that has created an unconscious bias that I'm like actively trying to uh, go like ignore and compensate for in my life. Yeah, no, yeah I definitely, I see I'm not this. on the oh, war side, but I, I definitely feel the bias side because I, I have the same thing where it's really not necessarily React, but it's anything not Angular. And I know, I know that I have that and I try to, I try to overcompensate for it <laughs> because I'm always like, yeah, yeah, but it's not Angular. And so I just try to keep that in mind. But I see what you're saying, Joe. What were you going to say? Sorry. Chuck. No, it's all good. I, I see the same thing with politics and I'm not going to pick sides, but I mean, both sides have done some things that I like. And so you see people just bagging on them for every little thing that they do. And it's, it, you know, they just have the jersey on. They're not actually, you know, engaging in real thought about, okay, what are they doing? Why are they doing this? And what will actually be the outcome on this? You know, right. it's my team, my team versus their team. And obviously my team is better. Yeah, I guess maybe at the end of the day, it's a bit of a human nature thing because we all like to put the jersey on and scream our lungs out. So <laughs> That's why God invented soccer. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, there's been those funny studies where they've actually like tested people and told them that their candidate that they prefer said some things that was actually said by the other candidate. Right. And they'll defend those things and then they'll attribute things that their candidate has said to the other candidate and they'll condemn those things. <laughs> Yeah, you know, oh, funny. Yeah, it's really this, funny. This is your candidate's tax plan or whatever, right? And yeah. So I definitely, yeah, I could see how like those same, I don't know, human qualities would trickle down to even things like programming and frameworks and languages. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> none right. of us are immune, I suppose. But uh, yep. So anyway, it's it's definitely interesting though, just to see where all this comes in and. Vue is seeing a ton of growth too. So it's it's also an interesting conversation to have that way, you know. Why is it gaining ground? And and you know what 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 that really means for everything that we're doing. But I do wonder if it's become I don't know, if it's risen so much because because it's so similar to AngularJS, um is it simply because of the wariness maybe built up in the Angular community, because if you really loved Angular JS and then it was kind of pulled out from under you um, during the upgrade, I could see you being like, well, uh, let's jump ship to something that's exactly the same, but not this. I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around why someone would want to do view over Angular JS, but I haven't used it yet. So I guess I'm not super knowledgeable on that. Aspect. Well, certainly one reason might be that it, you know, the feel like, what you were saying before, it feels like the support for AngularJS is winding down when the support for Vue is only ramping up, right? Mm, so right. you might look and say, hey, the future looks very bright for Vue, for AngularJS. I wouldn't say it looks dim by any means, but it doesn't have that same um, likelihood that there's going to be a significant amount of investment into it mm-hmm. and growth in the community. So that would be certainly one reason. You might feel like it's still a more modern framework than Angular, regardless of the realities of the situation, the fact of the matter is AngularJS is old. 
So mm-hmm. imagine if somebody were to come up and say, hey, I made this modification, this add-on to Backbone JS, and it is better than anything that's currently out there. It's better than React, it's better than Angular, it's better than Vue, it's better than uh, Elm. What, what else is super hip right now? Right? Would you have a really hard time swallowing that because it's Backbone? I guess if the fact that they're selling, they added something onto it. But if maybe they said, hey, I'm using Backbone, turns out it's actually better than everything else, right? We're just going to come first full circle. Backbone's the best. And yeah. we should all go back to Backbone, <laughs> right? You have a hard time just because it seems like it's older and dingier, right? right. Even with- yeah. But at what point does it, when is it like, oh, this has been around for so long that it's tested and tried and true, right? Like, does that not happen? Not in no, not in tech. No. no. Okay. That never happens in tech. We don't care if it's tested or tried oh, or true. We want okay, to be stimulated. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, it, it is a reality, you know, and, and granted, that's not what this show's about per se, but it is a reality. I mean, people move on to new frameworks and new technologies because they want the challenge. Or because it sounds cool or because it sounds fun or because I'm bored with this old thing that I've been using forever that's not um, progressing at a really rapid pace. And so I don't think it's fair to say that uh, people don't consider uh, take it into consideration, you know, try and test it. But I think the there's a simple way to indicate that your framework is tried and tested, and that is to take off the, the beta tag. Yeah, mm-hmm. that you don't. Ha- it doesn't have to be tried tested. You just have to make people. Th- you have to release one and then everybody thinks it is, right? Yeah, right. I mean, literally, look at the type of stuff that at huge enterprises with major amounts of process behind adopting software and such. The kinds of software they're adopting nowadays, compared to what they would ad- have adopted back in the late '90s or the early 2000s, you know, from the like a Microsoft typical standpoint, the maturity of a your average Microsoft product is so far beyond uh, any product that we're now adopting. I mean, any certainly front end open source type product product, right? Like they go, you put so many more resources into fixing problems, right? Back then, yeah. and we just didn't. The industry just didn't doesn't care that much. Even the, you know, the Six Sigma enterprises that have all these processes people are still getting around them because there's we're still seeing these frameworks used by big companies yeah i'm going to push us into the next tweet um and we've already talked about some of this um but there's one big one that i'm curious on and so he says and this is dino's tweet if dino's listening uh typescript and costs of rewriting everything again just because angular releases a version every few months, and due to big differences from one to two, requires additional time to study Angular 2, even compared with other solutions that are available. So we've already talked about the differences between one and two and the cost of rewriting. Um, right. The other two issues that he brings up, though, is are TypeScript. So if you're not using TypeScript, you do you have to use TypeScript? And the other one is the release schedule for Angular. I mean, back whenever they first... I don't know if you guys remember this, when they first announced Angular 2 and on their docs even, they t- they had different paths and it was outside of TypeScript. So it'd be like, you know, here's where our docs are going to live for Angular 2 plus and TypeScript. Here's where our docs are going to live for Angular 2 plus and CoffeeScript. And there was like 
I think one for vanilla and there might uh, no, be it was, one it was ES5, one. ES6 and TypeScript. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, there was people talking, I think about, oh, that means I could keep using CoffeeScript. And I was like, really? And so, <laughs> um, yeah, I know, yeah. right? So, which it, essentially it would have allowed for that. I don't know, honestly, if you can use anything. I personally wouldn't just because everyone in the world is using TypeScript with two plus. I, I don't know. Have you guys heard of anyone not using TypeScript? Oh my gosh. No. I mean, mm-hmm. do not ever use Angular with anything but TypeScript. That was, I don't know. I don't even realize long ago that, that was a bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, the yeah, thing, that though, is not the thing that I'm seeing mo- more than anything else is that when it was in beta, people would, you know, pull it in and we all kind of had to pull out our hammers and, knock something together and Mm -hmm. so knocking something together for es5 or es6 was just as hard as knocking something together for typescript but now Mm -hmm. you have the angular cli and it removes all those barriers for typescript and it doesn't do a ton for uh the the other environments there's another tweet here um basically that you know says the same thing you know until now, you know, there's a jump start for Angular 2 ES5, but even that's not great. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you definitely want to do TypeScript. But so go back to his tweet that was TypeScript, um, which I can get a little bit behind. Uh, but I think that for most people, the bridge between Angular, you know, the, the, the TypeScript part is going to be the, one of the smallest pieces of making a jump to Angular. So what? And then he mentioned the the churn, basically that they're they're releasing a new stuff all the time. Yeah. And then just the whole energy of just learning something new. That was kind of his three yeah. points, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And we certainly talked about the <clears throat> energy the co- of learning something cost new. Of rewriting. And, yeah, cost of rewrites, which are significant. I mean, yeah. I've done a significant amount of work on the whole migration story. I helped write the docs. I've done. I got ten hours of video on Pluralsight on migrating from Angular JS to Angular. So I think I have a good handle on that, and I would agree that it's a big, complex beast. Mm. So, I mean, I think that that's a very valid tweet yeah. uh, and concern. And the churn, for even for me, the churn is frustrating and annoying. I had ngdoc.io. Uh, it fell behind. I We skipped four altogether. We went from two directly to five and skipped four <laughs> because <laughs> by the time I was ready for four, five was already coming out. So I was like, uh, mm. we'll just go straight to five. Yeah, but the flip side is is that Angular 2 to Angular 4 to Angular 5 is not as big a change as Angular JS oh, to yeah. Angular. And so, you know, I, I can't, I don't know. I don't know that the churn is really that big a deal unless you're using something they deprecate and then remove from version to version. Well, yeah, but there there's tons. Like if you're doing 2, you would have used the HTTP uh, library. Uh-huh. And then 4.3 came out with the HTTP client and now it's deprecated in 5. And it'll be gone in six. Uh, gotcha. So you've got to you've got to switch off that. RxJS. <clears throat> you're if you're using five, you're going to want to use the latest version of RxJS. And y- yes, that's not Angular, but let's just again, it's like TypeScript. Both you've got three things that are radically versioning at a very fast pace: TypeScript, RxJS, Angular. Well, really four. The CLI itself is having some pretty big updates. Mm-hmm. So. You put in web, throw in Webpack in there. There's a lot of things that are changing, and it, none of them seem like they're significant. But I've had a minor, like, bug fix revision of TypeScript actually break my Angular JS, and it was it, mm-hmm. it was a very common problem. So there is a lot more churn than it really seems like at the at the 
from the um, from a high level. The Angular team is like, hey, you know, we're going a full year, twelve months before we actually we're going to mark it as deprecated and then remove it. So you get one whole version where you just simply marked as deprecated and a whole year, but a year is not a long time in the development world. Yeah. Mm. In the, in the life it. of a project. I, it sounds like it, but it really isn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. I mean, I, yeah, I launched ngdoc.io at ngconf last year, which was in April oh of God. last year, right? So <laughs> already, it, like, by the time I launched, it was practically out of date with version 4. And then we just got 5 now. Things, you build it for a while, and then all of a sudden there's a new version coming out, and you don't want to take the time at the moment to do it because you're building features, so you don't upgrade. And then pretty soon you're two versions behind or three, and everybody's complaining because you're not using the new, the latest this, you know, like the latest HTTP library. I feel like there is a lot of churn. Mm. Churn, can we just, like, I don't know that term. I know butter, like churning butter. We just need turnover <laughs> when we say churn. Yeah, like churn is like butter on activity. a good. Yeah, activity that's going on that may or may not directly relate to progress. Oh, right? wait, yeah. so it could be like not look at all these cool new features, but it's just like look at all this stuff I have to work on to I have, have to this, keep like, up feature on feature parity. Yep. Yeah, okay. Okay. yeah, or just so many things are now different, right? Just whatever it is, churn. Yeah. So Barry well, said it could have been a different framework. We've kind of addressed that. Alberto pointed out the problems with doing anything but TypeScript as well. Um, and he also says only recently the devs fixed the JIT part. And he has uh, links in here to some of the GitHub issues. Not sure exactly what he means. Here, I'll post a link oh, in the chat. By that. I mean, I, I assume what he means is that now... Uh, you can run in development mode using the AOT. Uh So that way you don't have to go through the process of building. And then when you go to production, you find out, oh, crap, I've got a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't work with the ahead of time compiler. So that might be what he's talking about. I mean, yeah, that was an issue. That was an annoyance for me, too. And even the current version of CLI doesn't do it by default. They just, at least right now we're on version 5.1. And I don't know what version of the CLI is, 1.6 or 1.5. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, you have to add in the AOT flag when you do your ng serve. But then you actually can see all the compiler warnings you're going to get out of the ahead of time compiler because it runs it every time. Yep. But yeah, that's an issue. Yep. And then he also pointed out that they removed DSL decorators, which is something that he wanted. But DSL he... decorators. What is a DSL decorator? DSLs are domain-specific languages. Domain-specific language, yeah. Okay. The ability to create your own decorators? Is that maybe what he's... Yeah. I don't know. I posted the link, but I haven't actually looked at it. Huh. Uh, oh, okay. So they changed the way that you declare a class in TypeScript. Mm, that hasn't, I don't know. I, without spending a bunch of time or having somebody yeah. really explain it on a depth, I'm not sure that... I get it. But I guess if the point is, hey, there's some pretty so, some things that to me are pretty big things that have recently been changed. I can totally get that. Yep. Absolutely. Are, I mean, we're talking about a framework that's actively being worked on. It's actively having a bunch of features. Uh, we're giving, getting uh, schematics and elements right right now that are mm-hmm. big, 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 big things. Elements doesn't necessarily change what people are acti- actually doing. Neither really just schematics. It just gives you another feature. 
set. It'll, it'll give you more capabilities with the um, CLI, but it's a lot of cool stuff. And people will, you know, say, hey, you know, why aren't we using the schematics and what we're doing uh, with elements? It's an entirely new kind of functionality. So schematics is the ability to for the CLI to produce other things other than its default, right? So you can get it to produce classes the way that you want, uh, according to how you like them produced, rather than the default basically template. You can write your own templates. In fact, with schematics, you could, for example, use the Angular CLI to produce a React application, because the CLI itself is really not that closely tied to actually being an Angular. Once you get rid of what the actual code that it outputs, if you could customize that code, you could have it produce React code. Mm -hmm. or, or Ember or whatever. So that's schematics where Elements is the ability for Angular to produce a web, a, a fully uh, standards compliant web component that you could throw into any other framework, which I personally think this might be one of the biggest game changers we're going to see for a while is now you truly, because web components, this acceptance for them is getting so wide, you could truly build your complex UI components in Angular and run them in any framework and the interaction is a nice, simple API. It's just the DOM. That would be cool. So, yeah, it would be so cool. Like, we've been dealing with this thing with ng-doc where we're trying to use uh, a, these, uh, an, an IntelliSense, uh, like an autocomplete control that creates tags. Mm -hmm. And we've I evaluated several different ones. None of them worked great. We used this one by the Prime Faces people. That They produce a great one, but it has some features missing some features we wanted so <laughs> i had somebody uh jesse uh sanders who was on the show a while ago from Brebug. he's been doing a whole bunch of help developing it and he's like hey this autocomplete over here is a lot better so i said okay let's use this and he put it in and he's like hey the keyboard navigation doesn't work on this thing and he's like oh he says well i found this other one this prime faces one this one looks pretty cool and i'm like dude that's the one you literally just tore out <laughs> oh <my laughs> but he like, found an add-in for what? it <laughs> Yeah, that's you awesome. Add for it that adds the feature that we were missing, the in ability to inline add new tags. But it's a great example of, I mean, this is built specifically for Angular. They have five versions of the same control for other frameworks. They had to rewrite the same thing for every other framework. If you look at Infragistics, they got different versions. Or Kendo, they got different versions, right, uh -huh. for every framework. Right. If you could write those once, you know, the Angular now just becomes the language you write the control in but the control gets compiled down to just plain old html web compliant html that any framework can interact with easily all of a sudden i think that changes yeah. the game pretty seriously yeah i think it'll i think it makes it more it's like one of the um you know rule number one that you learn back in the ui ux days of like safe exploration right it allows it's taking the ui term of safe exploration but for a framework like it allows somebody to be like hey i don't have the time to learn time scripts or get this whole environment going but maybe if i wanted to play around with like one angular component as like an angular element and put it in my react app i i think it's going to be exciting I'm, i just can't wait until that's fully fleshed out yeah this episode is sponsored by linode linode is offering listeners of this podcast a 20 dollar credit which is good for four free months at their lowest plan their plans start at one gigabyte of ram for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. 
VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at lino.com slash adventures in Angular. All right, I'm going to push this along here. Another one, Satish brought up... Um, they use Angular 1 material, and Angular material 2 just isn't mature. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, granted, I haven't evolved <laughs> Angular 2 in the last few months, but when I, a year ago, when I was doing uh, ng doc, oh my gosh, Angular 2 material was like 10% of the way that Angular 1 material was. So, yeah. I'm really down with that point. It's still, I mean, it's still, there's some rough patches. Um, I even, I, that's one of the exciting things for me, though, like, oh, look, there's holes, like, let's help fill them, because I was even helping on, like, clean up some other documentation for material, because they were showing off one of the, like, things that you could do with it, but the styles on that page were broken, and so I was like, oh, let's make a pull request for that, because, you know, if you're you're showing off some, a feature, but it's everything around it is broken, it's kind of I don't know, not too trustworthy in that feature itself. So um, I, for me, it's exciting. So I'm like, oh, look at all these fun things we can work on and add to. But I guess, you know, if you're looking at it going, should I use this? It doesn't look, I mean, even to this day, there's still there's still holes that need filled. So, right. so valid. So do you, are you, have you looked at it recently to see how many of the Angular 1 controls are still missing from the Angular 2 version of Material? Um, in November I was looking at it, um, and it, they were, I mean, they were working fast on it, but it was still missing some. So I haven't looked at it this month, but I, that's the thing is how fast they're moving to me. It, it would almost be, <laughs> it would almost be not worth it to start off with the first material because I just would, I would be so excited by looking at like, look how fast they're moving. And once they do a feature parody, I know they're going to do some pretty cool things after that. So I don't know. I Right, but that doesn't help today if you need a control need that they that don't they have. have. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. That's true. And you need I it do. in material. I should look at the I should look at the list of components, see what they have. So I've heard of some crazy things of people building brand new Angular 2 apps and they're doing basically a migrated hybrid Angular 1 app just so they can use the Angular 1 material components oh, <laughs> in their Angular 2 app. Yep. <laughs> No way. Yeah, totally valid tactic. Is it? Uh, if that's what you, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to discuss the wisdom of it overall. Because, hey, if you need the features, you need the features. You might just suffer some performance problems, but you need the feature. If you've got to have that control, like like how many man hours goes into writing a really good autocomplete control? It could be a ton. I mean, oh. <laughs> yeah. most developers have end up, ended up building a couple uh for them, you know, in the life of their, if they're front-end developers, right, have built already a couple, and they're always really simple ones compared to the big production ones that come out by companies like Infragistics and Progress. So, I don't know. I, I totally get the idea of, oh, there's so many features. I mean, we're doing the same thing with ng-doc. That autocomplete tag control, I would not want to write that by hand. It would take it would take several weeks. <laughs> it would still suck worse than uh, the existing <laughs> ones. Have way more bugs, you know. Yeah. Uh, this one's in July. I'm looking at a a comparison chart of Angular and Angular Two. 
but it looks like they only put things on the chart that both of them had. So never mind. <laughs> you guys bet. I'm like trying to find a, a list real quick to see what's still missing on material too. Yeah. Well, we can come back to that too, but it's, it is interesting. Okay. I mean, if you're relying on a particular feature or library or integration and it's not there, I mean, that, that makes sense to me. It's definitely an issue. I and, think that's a very valid issue to stay with AngularJS. Well, and how long have they been working on it? I mean, granted, it's, you know, it, it takes time to build this stuff, but yeah. I mean, Angular 2 has been out for quite a long time, so. Mm. Right. Um, let's see. The next one is um, the lifespan of our website exceeds the framework. As often is the case with corporate beasts, changing existing code is cost and risk to fix what ain't broke. So yeah, and, and this is something that I've run into with some of my projects. I have a few things out there that uh, they, you know, they, they, they're out there, they work. I don't really want to go fiddle with them again, so... If I wasn't actively building a project, I wouldn't upgrade it from yeah. AngularJS to Angular or to Vue or to anything else just to because it's on AngularJS. You know, the the web is backwards compatible. We're, the web is never going to get backwards compatible broken. So yep. it's fine. Leave it. It'll run forever. That app will run forever. So just leave it the way it is. There's no reason to go crazy. Yep. Um, another tweet. I, I don't know if I completely understand this. Uh, it says, even I would love to find out why Google supports AngularJS 1.x. Ask them remove to browser supports so that every organization will force developer to move one, two, question mark, four, five, anything, which is good for, for both of us. I hope you, I hope I answered your question. So I think what it sounds like is they're saying, this person is saying, Google should remove support for AngularJS. The browser should force people to leave AngularJS, yeah. which is a horrible idea, but yeah, I, I that's what it sounds like. Or, or that person is saying they're worried that that will happen. Neither thing could ever possibly happen. The First off, Google doesn't have that kind of control. They only control Chrome, so they, I guess they could somehow make it so that Chrome doesn't support Angular, but the web supports Angular, and they would certainly never do it. Uh, they would never change Chrome to not support Angular. Right. The web is backwards compatible. It will always support AngularJS. So, uh, I agree with you. Issue. I completely agree with you. Uh, the next one is, I moved and I regret it. Performance isn't better, and complexity is insane, insanely more. Complexity, yes. Performance is only not better if you are not doing anything in AngularJS that would cause a performance problem, which mm. was much easier to do in AngularJS. You could do, if you did 10 things in AngularJS, one of them is going to cause a, a noticeable performance problem. Well, I mean, and granted, that's kind of, let me, let me give you a more concrete example. I taught a workshop uh, to about 80 people, 90 people. And I was, no, I was giving a talk. That's what I was doing. I was giving a talk. And I asked the audience, about 80, 90 people, how many people were using AngularJS seriously? And about 90% of the hands went up. And then I said, okay, how many of you felt like we needed Angular 2 
before it got announced. And this, so this, this talk was given quite a while before, just shortly after Angular 2 was announced. And I was giving these talks on, hey, let's look forward and see what Angular 2 is going to be like. So of those 90 per people that had raised their hands, 90% of the people, how many of them thought they needed Angular 2? Only a few hands say that. Most of them felt like AngularJS was just great. Mm-hmm. But then I asked them, you know, all right, put all your hands back up who are using it significantly. How many of you have encountered a serious performance problem with Angular J, you know, Angular 1 at the time? And like a third of the hands stayed up, almost half. Right? So this is a serious number of people that encounter serious performance problems with AngularJS. Now, with Angular, you can encounter serious performance problems, but it's so much harder to do something that will cause a performance problem that it's not so much a matter of, hey, the performance is better or worse. It is, but it depends on how you look at it. The reality is it's you're going to see similar performances out of the two frameworks if you're doing a very limited set of things in AngularJS. There's a few things that will cause radically horrible performance problems. They're not that hard to do. A lot of people will encounter this, this issue, but uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot of people won't. Mm-hmm. But for AngularJS, the number of people that are going to encounter performance issues is a very, very, very small number in comparison. I see. So you're saying if you've never experienced performance issues, um, jumping over, you might not notice what you're gaining? I agree. Yeah, I I would totally say that's true. I don't think you're going to take a fairly simple like to-do app or even like uh, like ngdoc, I don't know exactly how many lines of code that we have, but ngdoc is not a huge project by any means. It's like four pages and a lot of the code is server side, right? Um, I don't think that I think we could write that in Angular JS and see ex- exactly the same performance. You know, uh, so much yeah. of the performance that we have is about download size. It's about the servers that we're using. So long as you're not downloading some code that's just churning and chugging through stuff, right? But right. if you get into infinite scrolls. Oh, you would never want to do an infinite scroll with AngularJS. There was all kinds of problems and tons of workarounds where people were undoing the bindings as you scrolled them off the page. They were had to manually unhook all these bindings. Oh yeah, uh, we did have some fun with that in my last yep. my last job. That was fun. You're right. Or okay, so big grids with lots of rows with lots of elements within them that you wanted them to be editable. Oh no, no. Okay. These so those are, are just examples. two examples. Yeah. yeah, two examples of things where you just cause your AngularJS to grind to a halt. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, performance is not a very clear thing. It's the same thing as people saying, oh, React is so fast, right? When, then when it was just React and AngularJS where the, you know, people were starting to leave AngularJS and go to React, oh, it's so fast. And other people would be like, what are you talking about? My Angular app is already so fast. Like I, there's no performance problems whatsoever. And they're like, well, mm-hmm. look at this thing that I did. And I'm like, well, why would I, I would never do that. You're putting together <laughs> the scenario that proves that it's fast in that scenario, but I would, I've never had to needed to do that scenario, right? Like I've never had to do an infinite scroll list. So none of, none of the apps I've ever built needed that. So why would I care? Right. And that was a very valid point for the people that were on one side and for the people that were moving to react who had had the problems in angular js it was very valid for them to say hey we we're having all these performance problems we were doing all this complex tuning we went to react we just didn't have to do it because it just everything just worked fast we didn't have to do any tuning mm-hmm. so the same thing with angular if you're going to move to it uh you're going to find that you don't have to you don't have to performance tune nearly as much right that makes sense um, we've, we've been talking for quite a while. I still have a whole bunch of tweets, so I'm going to kind of pick and choose some of these. Um, the next one is, uh, re- recently worked on a moderately complex web app with a short turnaround, 
Several of the devs devs on the team already knew Angular One. None knew Two Plus. Right. So I think so, we've already kind of addressed this one, right? Like it's totally valid. Yeah. Um, when it's time to get some stuff out, go with it. Over time, that'll be less and less valid. More and more people are going to get different skill sets and not have an Angular JS skill set. So yeah. it's more valid today than it will be in three years. That's for sure. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Are we still though at the point where it's easier to find Angular JS developers over Angular developers? Oh, I think there's no doubt about it. It's still yeah. easier to find Angular JS. Now, the question is: Is it easier to find somebody who wants to do Angular JS? <laughs> that, okay, that is an excellent. Yes, that's the perfect one you should be asking, because there's so many. There were there were a lot of JS posts, but how how many did you know actually want to apply to? Because I just wanted to be onto the new stuff, but the companies themselves weren't ready to. So, right. yeah. Um, the next one is server-side rendering of templates with PHP. Need to set a lot of JS variables from PHP. Couldn't find that in two plus. Wait, server-side rendering. Server-side rendering variables. Can you say it again? Sorry. I, I think I might just try and copy and paste this. Okay. Because <laughs> this is a problem I haven't run into. I mean, the bundle size has gotten a lot better. Um. All right. So he starts off with need to set lots of variables, JS variables with PHP. On that one, and it could, couldn't find it in 2 plus. On that specific point, I'm 99.9% .9 confident this could totally be done in Angular 2 plus. It was just a matter of them figuring out how to do it, right? Yeah. The fact that Angular 2 plus is compiled uh, doesn't mean that you can't set the variables in a server-side template rendering. You just mm -hmm. you can only you only render certain things, right? So, but it's totally it's totally doable, okay? Uh, pretty depending on what they're trying to do. If they're trying to do like some dynamic uh, components, then what they need is elements, uh, and they'd have to switch how they're doing it and move more of that to the client side. So there, so that one, it, it would really depend on exactly what they're doing. The next one, bundle size is huge, and lazy loading is not up to the mark. So that's two points. Bundle size is huge. Chuck, you were saying, well, bundle size has been coming down. Yep. Right. That, and I agree that bundle size is coming down, but I also agree that there's no doubt about the fact that uh, an Angular JS's bundle size is likely to be significantly smaller than an Angular bundle size, right? Like, mm. yes, I've seen you could take a CLI app, brand new CLI, Hello World app, and the bundle size is like 50 or 60K. It's tiny, right? But the minute you put in routing and forms, and those aspects of the framework, mm -hmm. you're the, just the typical stuff that you really need in a small and put a small app like ngdoc.io is a small app. Okay. And it was at a 1.8 megabyte bundle size. We just got it down to, I think, 1.2 because we upgraded from two to five. And that actually saw a significant decrease. Yeah, like 30%. But um, still, it's one point. Let me tell you, I'm running it right now. 1.2 megabytes as it is right now. And I know that I could write the same app in AngularJS and have a bundle size of around two to 300K. Yeah. Maybe maybe 400K, but significantly smaller. So I think that's very valid. Bundle size is huge. Lazy loading, not up to the mark. I don't know. I guess compared to AngularJS, 
LangularJS doesn't even support lazy loading inherently. <laughs> you have to use uh, some weird cobbled-on add-on that causes its own performance problems. So that's probably only valid in comparison maybe to uh, other frameworks. But so far as I know, AngularJS's lazy loading is just as effective and useful right, and easy to use Right, the main question was yeah. comparing AngularJS and Angular. So. Right. Yeah, so compared to AngularJS, Lazy loading is gazillion times better in Angular. So from that standpoint, you, you, that's definitely, um, I don't know, I'd like to ask this person a question and say, what do you mean? Because I just find that to be uh, like wild, like it's similar to saying, well, uh, it doesn't use TypeScript as effectively as AngularJS does, right? <laughs> that's yeah. probably the opposite is true. Right. TypeScript leads to typing a lot and compiling every time if you change a word, even lots of time wasted. Mm. Um, yeah, well, with the, newest changes, with the newest changes with the CLI, the compiling time, compile time is much faster. So that's constantly getting faster. Um, it does have a higher compile time than AngularJS, but that's because it's also doing more during com compile rather than the JIT process that AngularJS uses. So... That's questionable, and I think we're, we're reaching some time parity on that one. TypeScript leads to typing a lot. That's true, but a lot of people use TypeScript with AngularJS, and you're trading off the typing for finding more bugs in development. So even though mm -hmm. I say the point is true, that TypeScript leads to typing more. But a I don't lot. even does it does it do the typing? Because I so now that I'm making the switch right to like finally use to and all the things. I actually was like, okay, Eliza, download VS Code. You're a good girl mm -hmm. because you got to stop finding <laughs> it. So I downloaded it and then I got, you know, all of the, uh, what, what are they called? The packages or I don't know what they're called. They're in, in Atom, they're called packages, but the essential like add-ons that you need for Angular and TypeScript and blah, blah, blah. And so once I, I did that, there's also like a bajillion like Dan Walling and um, who else? John Papa of these like angular snippet library package things that you download mm -hmm. that they've already created that they use themselves and it's like a snippet right like you type it and it like will fill in the rest so to me i was like oh wow this is a lot less typing than i had imagined because i i mean you can you can autofill as much as you want to autofill right like you never have to type a full class out again i i don't i don't really get the typing part do you because like well, I mean, again, if you're using snippets, snippets are independent of TypeScript. So if you're using lots of snippets, it really doesn't even, you know, you could say, well, I had a ton of snippets for AngularJS and I don't have them for Angular uh, now. Well, go make your, t your snippets, right? Like, so I'm not sure about how snippets, is TypeScript definitely, is, is it more typing? Yes. Without snippet, with snippets, is it the same? Potentially. It's potentially the same. But it's definitely more ceremony around the code because the just the annotation mm. of the types. Even if you only annotate just your construction param construction parameters, that's the right. only thing you do is annotate those, right? Is it more typing? Yeah, it's more typing, a little bit more. You don't have to you don't have to use any other features of TypeScript with Angular other than the type annotations for the constructors, right? Right. right. So, so that, it's a, it's a small right. amount of force. It still is more, but it's in my opinion, negligible. Right. And other than people that hate TypeScript for the pure fact of it's like the TypeScript versus JavaScript, I, I still think that it's 
fairly close to being objectively true that using a typed language is better than using the dynamic language. That a few times that the dynamic language is advantageous. I mean, even Facebook is flow. They're pushing flow really hard. Uh, Angular and TypeScript. With other languages, even React a little bit now, this Reason ML is becoming more and more popular. Elm has really inspired a lot of people with, uh, and caused this Reason ML to become a more popular thing, where it's an Elm-like, it's, it's, it's ML language. Um, but people use it with React, or you can use it, it's kind of like a TypeScript thing. It compiles down to ES5, I guess. So I think, by and large, we're seeing that a lot of people are realizing the value and benefits of the typing outweigh uh, any of the drawbacks. Right? So I don't I don't agree with TypeScript being the an issue with going to Angular if it's because you can use it in both and it's an, and it's in my opinion a fairly objectively a benefit overall. Yeah, the tooling is much much better with TypeScript and it makes a lot of this a lot easier. And then the syntax is so much easier to follow, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess to play devil's advocate, there's a lot of people, though, who still, they don't use anything like that. They just use JavaScript. And um, talking to them and convincing them that the tooling is worth it, um, you know, or <laughs> that in the end, it saves you from yourself unless Unless they're willing to actually try it, I don't think you can really tell someone those those features. And I think there's a big chunk of people out there in the front end who still aren't sold on, you know, Reason or <laughs> or TypeScript or any of any of them. So I don't. I agree with that, but I feel like that's more of a style choice, mm-hmm. right? Mm. It's not when if if we want to keep this to the realm of you know i prefer red over blue well then how can you say anything other than i'm going to stick with red right mm, okay. but when you're saying hey i prefer this objective thing over that objective thing now we're getting into a realm where i feel like the idea that hey typescript is a bad thing is worse is probably a difficult position to defend mm. other than coming back to i just like javascript better which is fine. I respect that. If you just like old ES5 JavaScript better, great. But I think most people would agree that ES6 is superior to ES5. There, you, 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 the uh, lambdas get rid of all the this context problems. Uh, let gets rid of scoping bugs that creep up in your variable declarations and reduce the amount of global variables that create. I mean, just there's so many benefits. A few drawbacks are tiny in comparison, and TypeScript just takes it one step further. Or Flow, or ReasonML, some type language, they just take it another step further. So it's still far heavily weighed on the benefit side than on the drawback side. Yep. All right, I'm going to push us to one more, and then we will wrap up the show. And this one is essentially... In fact, let me just scroll back up and find it here. Um, I need widgets, not spas. Angular 2 assumes it owns the whole page. Angular element should solve it, but meanwhile, I mostly switch to React. Right. Well, they already know everything. That's that's exactly the perfect statement and answer. Mm-hmm. Elements is going to solve it, and it's going to solve it way better than anything else that they've got op- an option for. As Elements get released here and becomes a widely used thing, it's going to solve it. And so if that's what they need, then... Just wait for elements, and you'll have a fan, an amazing, awesome solution. 
And I think we'll see that React quickly comes up with their own version of Elements. And mm-hmm. um, maybe, I don't know if other frameworks will, but I think we're going to see more than one person, more than one framework produce a solution similar to Elements. Makes sense. I mean, a lot of the rest of this is just stuff that we've already talked through. So, right. Um, but but it's been interesting to just see where people are at and where they're coming from and why they're holding out on Angular 1X or moving on to something else. So mm-hmm. anyway, anything else that you all are hearing before we jump into picks? As to why people are sticking with AngularJS yeah. or potential reasons why to stay with AngularJS. Yeah. And I think we've kind of solved them. I think there's still a lot of valid reasons to stick, stick with AngularJS. And if I met people who were still at AngularJS, I wouldn't think poorly of them. Hmm. You know, I think one thing, though, is that at all the conferences, all of the Angular conferences, I've, in the last, what, two years, year, like, I haven't seen any AngularJS talks. I haven't seen any AngularJS demos. And um, if AngularJS was still going to be around in the future and actually a valid framework, I feel like we would. We would see, maybe not as many because, you know, Angular is a new hot thing, but I haven't seen any AngularJS talks. And I don't know if that's because all the speakers are more excited about the newness or if it's just because nobody cares anymore or nobody's interested about hearing those kind of talks. So I don't know if you have anything to speak into that, but that is something I've noticed. Well, as a, a conference organizer who has to choose talks for this exact same purpose, you know, you're you're a, a little bit talking about the uh, tail wagging the dog, right? Like, <laughs> we specifically don't choose AngularJS talks. Uh, mm. We chose, I think, one at, at ng-conf, and I see at least other Angular conferences being exactly the same way. They might have one AngularJS-related talk, and usually it's about migration, and that's what ours was. Mm. Um, and this year, well, I doubt we're going to have any. We may or may not have one about migration again, but only because it's an Angular 2 topic. It just happens to include AngularJS, but I don't think we're going to see any. But that's because we're reacting to what the public, people who go and attend conferences, uh, what do they want to see, right? That doesn't mean, that doesn't translate to usage. Uh, to what people are actually building in, you know, I'll, if you looked at the 2017 State of JS uh, survey, uh, view has huge amounts of interest. So, if you're giving doing a conference and you're showing some content about view, it's probably going to be pretty heavily attended. But almost nobody's writing view production apps, mm. especially in the U.S. So that doesn't. I see. So you're saying two things are related scene doesn't necessarily like equal what's going on in real world apps oh absolutely for sure i mean there's a correlation but it's not 100 percent direct that's that's for certain it's a lot about what people want to see Mm -hmm. you know Hmm. yeah it's the reason that. that we see uh yeah it's the reason why the hostess has a, such a huge section of the uh, aisle over at Walmart. It's not because it's what's good for us. It's because what, it's what people want to buy. <laughs> is is oh, that an God, oversight? I mean, should we be serving those folks? <laughs> well, that's one thing I was they wondering don't... is, are, are AngularJS conferences going to crop up now? Because I, I, have, I still have strong love for AngularJS. I see all the benefits that everyone talks about. But 
and I don't know if it's just nostalgia, um, because that was the first time using AngularJS that I actually got, like, understood JavaScript. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I get it. Like, and having that light bulb moment and that magic moment with AngularJS and then continuing to work with it, I mean, I still love that framework. And I know, it, like you said, like, when you create AngularJS apps, you know all the ins and outs and the gotchas and the things you have to watch out for. But even with all of that stuff, I still freaking love it. So I don't know if I'm really actually curious if you like foresee anything coming back in the realm of community for AngularJS or if you think it'll just continue kind of going forward. Well, and it'll be kind of, of a things, thing of the past. One of the things we talked about earlier, I think also plays a lot into it. And that is the fact that there's so much, so little so few features being added to AngularJS, right? Mm-hmm. right? So there's not nearly as much just to talk about. And there's so many resources that are already out there. If you want to learn AngularJS, there's tons of tutorials and courses and stuff. Everybody's got that pretty well covered. So you're saying and it's so, almost like uh, the talk on, you know, whatever in AngularJS has already been done, recorded on YouTube, yeah. ready for you to watch. So yeah. why have a conference about those things kind of thing? Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. The amount of innovation that's going on in the AngularJS space is pretty limited. So find, try and even find a talk about AngularJS that has a fairly unique uh, take that hasn't already been done, you know, it's unique, that isn't simply just, hey, we did an AngularJS app, but let me tell you about it, right? Outside of that one, I, we certainly, as organizers, don't see much in the way of submissions for AngularJS talks uh, of people saying, hey, I've got this really awesome thing that I did with AngularJS. Nobody's thought of it before. Or, or people want to hear about this, but there isn't resources out there to go get it. There's not a lot of that. But in the Angular world, there's tons of it. So Okay. Yeah. So it's you, and it's like a really interesting I don't know, outlook on conferences, meetups, talks. Like, I feel like I guess I just always thought it was what is relevant today, but it's really what is hot today. Like what it is, it's yeah. totally coming. Is. People okay. are spending their time when they're submitting to conferences. They're worrying about or thinking about the hot new hotness, right? So that's what they're right. submitting. Some conference organizers are choosing from a more limited select selection, and the attendees are all saying, "Hey, we want to hear about the hotness." Doesn't mean anybody's yeah. using the hotness, but that's what people are submitting talks on, and that's what they want to hear about. So you think, okay, for real, if you had a conference that was like, here's what we do in our everyday like JavaScript life, you think nobody would want to attend because it'd be like, ew? Or do you well, think... that's probably a too big of a statement? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but I mean, you have to look at it from the sense uh, also with these conferences, as far as uh, marketing goes, right? I mean. Essentially, they're picking the headlines. And if they can pick the headlines, people are going to go, oh, I want to see that or I want to know about that, mm. as opposed to the things that, you know, aren't. I mean, if you're talking about what I do every day, I already know that. You know, that that's old right. news. That's boring. And so, you know, but if you put up some, you know, uh, sexy new headline about how I can, you know, mine Bitcoin with my Angular 2 or Angular 5, then, I mean, that's like, wow, you know, and am I ever going to do that? Well, probably not, but it's, it's cool and it's interesting and that's, what's going to get me to click. It kind of makes me want to try a conference or even a meetup that's called like the basics and essentially no talks are allowed that are, you know, an RC or even, yeah, cutting it like, like, boring JS. We don't want any of that. It's like, 
what what has been done yeah we want to hear about that like <laughs> well it's not just the basics i mean the basics are appealing to people because everybody's constantly learning you know that like i want to see a basic talk about view everybody wants that mm -hmm. right but you're talking about it's not just the basics this is stuff you already know right and again do people want to go and hear about stuff they already know how hard would you push your boss to send you to a conference that's going to have talks on stuff that you don't are 100 sure is going to be valuable for your career next year right i see and, so that's why bleeding edge is so popular because yeah if you get it now even i think the painful part comes in though with like uh, like i don't know if you guys i know you both have worked on something that you know then the next release was totally different but yeah <laughs> yep okay well thank you people for hate it but they still <laughs> We hated it all day long, but as developers, we're still constantly pushing that. You know? Yeah. No. Well, one other thing that <laughs> I kind of just... seem like a paradox. <laughs> yeah. One other thing I want to push on here too is that, I mean, the Angular one stuff is eventually going to decline. Um, you know, I I've worked in the Rails community for a long time, and uh, you know, Rails three was a big departure from Rails two. Uh, Rails four was a big departure from Rails three. And there were a couple of minor releases in four and five that were, you know, had pretty big changes, um, you know, just moving along. And now if you're maintaining a Rails 3 or a Rails 2 app, um, a lot of those libraries are, I mean, you have to go and actually hunt them down. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's just kind of a different thing. And I think eventually as, you know, Angular continues to, to move up and people move on from Angular js be it to view react or angular um we're, we're going to start to see a decline too in in the supported libraries around angular one and so you'll you'll find an old mm. version and oh well now now we know that this part of it's a bad idea so but but nobody's around to update it anymore or well and even more than you know angular js like needing those libraries and external dependencies i feel like react is way more on the you know we don't have a whole environment we're just a library so mm -hmm. i it's hard for me to see i know it's super hard right now i saw all the surveys but it's hard for me to see things that do rely on outside sources that can become deprecated and a moment's notice it's hard for me to see those being like for the long haul so i know everybody's on board right now but i'm just like how long is it gonna be but maybe i don't know i don't know yeah, but the difference is is that with React, there are several incumbents that have a large enough community around them that mm. even if, you know, Dan Abramoff decides I'm not going to Redux anymore, and I don't know if he still maintains it or not because I haven't looked, but let's say that he decides he's not going to do it anymore or something happens to him to where he, he can't maintain it anymore, There's an, there are enough other people out there using it currently to where it would continue to go on. And it's only if... if you know, something better came out or Redux itself uh, started to decline for whatever reason, would you start to have problems finding somebody else to pick up the torch? And I think that's what Joe was saying about Angular 1 at this point, AngularJS, is that right now there's still enough people out there using it to where maintenance would continue because there, you know, there's that movement. But the, sure. the, the satellite plugins and things like that, um, you know, not everybody in the AngularJS community are using those. And so if they don't have a large enough diaspora of people who are going to go in and, and back it, it, it may wind up falling off 
uh, you know, falling off a cliff, so to speak, as far as maintenance goes. And then as people need it, then they either contribute um, their own changes to it that get accepted in, or they wind up forking it and people wind up using the forks. And I've seen both of those happen in other open source mm-hmm. communities that are older and have gone through some of the transitions we're seeing now with Angular. Mm. Very cool. Well, very interesting show, I think. Yep. And hopefully it gives some folks some ideas too, you know, depending on where you're at in, you know, Angular JS or Angular or transitioning or whatever, you know, um, I, I think some of these things that people brought up are completely valid. And I think some of them, I think people need to explore them a little more deeply and just really see what the trade-offs are and how much work it's going to be. Yep. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and do the picks. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere available from any device uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Joe, do you want to start us off with picks? Okay. Uh, so I recently watched the big Netflix film Bright with uh, Will Wheaton. Uh, what's his name? Will Wheaton? Not Will Wheaton. No. It sounded like who? that's uh, who you were saying. I, I know. That's who I was about to say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't. Will Smith. There we go. Will Smith. Oh, about Will. Right? A totally different Will. <laughs> totally different Will than Will Wheaton. Anyway, it's the biggest budget Netflix show ever produced. They spent $90 million making it. Uh, Holy moly. And it's met very mixed reviews i actually thought it was fun thought it was a nice show they made it a bit too r-rated unnecessarily in my for my taste too much swearing and there's some a little bit of uh female nudity in it that i thought was all unnecessary personally so wasn't really happy about that but overall i thought it was a nice fun show was it amazing no tons of other stuff they've done has been far more amazing but still think it was worth the watch if you're okay tolerating those things uh, my other it was, pick, a, it was a movie or a show movie movie like an hour and 50 yeah. minutes or something like that movie mm-hmm. it's somebody it's kind of basically a fan D or like lord of the rings meets training day you know it's like a cop procedural show with uh wow this sounds a, a awesome. lord of the rings twist <laughs> it sounds awesome it Definitely didn't live up to the potential, but it was still oh. worth I enjoyed it. It was worth watching, but it did not live up to the potential for okay. sure. Um, but I did enjoy it. Uh, so I, I'm going to pick that. And then my other pick is going to be the series, The Travelers. Season two just barely came out. I'm so excited oh, to sweet. start watching. I haven't started watching it yet, but super excited to start watching that. Loved season one. Thought it was just as unique and interesting an idea, almost 
at least to Stranger Things, and almost as good of a implementation as Stranger Things. You know, for me, I've enjoyed it almost as much as I enjoyed watching Stranger Things. So really liked it. Very excited. So those are my picks. Yeah, I really enjoyed Travelers. I didn't know it was out that or coming out. That's awesome. Uh, Alyssa, what are your picks? Um, I just have one, and that is the upcoming. Well, I don't know if it does it count as upcoming, Joe. I was going to say NGConf is upcoming, but it's but, definitely uh, upcoming. <laughs> it's so many months out. I don't know if upcoming counts, but I'm super pumped about it, and so I want everyone to uh to come, please come if to the NGConf. So do you tickets know are when, still on sale. When do they still... cut off the ticket sales? The ticket sales. Well, yeah, when is it? Out. Oh, okay. It's just, it's not, there's, you're yep. not going to be like, okay, if you don't get it by this date, you don't get one. That's not. Oh, really no. <laughs> no, but I mean, tickets, who knows when tickets will sell out? I could tell you there's enough right now, but because we hit the new, we're about to hit the new year, we could see a serious ramp up in the ticket sales, especially once we announce the speakers that if you wait too long, there's like, you're very likely to not be able to get a ticket. Gotcha. I, I'm sure okay. tickets will sell out. So, so yes, my pick is the NG call. Awesome. Um, I'm going to jump in here with a couple of picks. One related to this episode was uh, pretty early on the tweet that I put out there that got all these responses. And thanks to everybody who replied. Um, JavaScript Daily retweeted it, and that got a lot of traction on it. And so I'm going to just kind of publicly thank them. I know Peter Cooper runs the company behind it. But uh, anyway, uh, great stuff. And then um, I'm also going to... Um, pick uh, just as as kind of a public service announcement for this show. Um, I do a parallel show where I interview past guests and um, you know hosts and other people in the Angular community. It's my Angular story, and if you're subscribed to the All Angular podcast feed from DevChat.tv, then that will uh, that you know that'll get you. Um, both of the shows, but if you're not, then go on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and check out um, my Angular story. I've been interviewing a bunch of interesting people lately. Um, I think the most recent interview that I've done to date is uh, Austin McDaniel. But uh, you know, oh yeah, you just did that one, didn't you? Yeah, we just released it. Nice. So yeah, we're we're putting those out. So if you're interested. Um, yeah, definitely check that out. And if you are looking at Vue or React as possible alternatives to Angular, then I am working with Joe on a Vue podcast that follows this format. And I am working with a few other people on a React podcast that also follows this framework. And you can find Indiegogo campaigns for those. And we'll put links to that in the show notes. And that's all I've got. So we'll go ahead and wrap this up and we will catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.